1: Do you think some folks are just magically able to bounce back from adversity? Or did they just practice something you could learn too? Do you think other people are successful because they figured out a way to avoid problems? And what can you do the next time life serves up an unexpected challenge? Ryan Holiday is here to discuss how you can turn adversity into advantage and why the obstacle is the way. Welcome to The New Man. Today, we're talking with Ryan Holiday. He's the author of the bestseller, Trust Me, I'm Lying. And today, we're going to discuss his latest, The Obstacle is the Way, The Timeless Art of Turning Adversity to Advantage. Ryan, thanks for being here.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, Tripp.
1: I I think this book should be called How to Be a Badass.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah. I I mean, I wanted it to be about some of the badasses of history and how they overcame their problems because I think um, you know we all have problems we all have obstacles and I wanted to show you know that they can be overcome
1: well I think that's a that's a good point because a lot of guys that I talk to they're chasing some kind of fantasy they're living in this world that like oh well if I was living my passion or if I was living my purpose well that would mean I would be on Easy Street that things would be fun. And if I'm experiencing some kind of a challenge that means that I must be doing something wrong, I, I, I might I must not be doing the right thing with my life. And so a lot of these guys just disengage. They get into analysis, paralysis. they' they're sitting on the on the sidelines, like waiting for the right thing to come along. And then another trap that I see is this belief of uh, exoneration. Phil Stutz was on the on the show, and we talked about exoneration. Uh, like there's this velvet rope or this finish line. Once sure. I get there, I'm, I'm going to have enough money on the status, validation, security, whatever. But, but, but then I'll be fine. I'll be removed from this adversity that, that's happening here. And, and I've found that it just creates a lot of suffering. This like, oh, I'm, I'm missing out on something. There's FOMO happening. Um, and if I'm not there, then I must be doing something wrong. So how do the ideas in this book make a difference to the average guy who might be thinking that if there's some kind of adversity in his life, he's getting it wrong?
2: Yeah, sure. Look, I, I think I think a big part of the problem is that people think that people forget that obstacles are supposed to happen, right? That this is sort of part of how it's supposed to go. Uh-huh. Um, like your the the path is not easy. And in fact, because it's hard is where the opportunities come from. That's why the you know the title of the book is The Obstacle is the way. What 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 I'm showing in the book is how sort of people who you thought were very successful, actually, if you sort of backtrack to where they were before they were successful, there was some sort of problem or impediment that happened to them. Because bad things happen to everyone. And we don't choose, we don't choose that that happens, but we choose how we respond. And, and so Stoicism, which is the philosophy that this book is based on, is about accepting one that you don't control the world and two that you only control yourself. And so if you're gonna control your if if you're gonna sort of concentrate everything onto that reaction, that gives you a lot more power and a lot more um flexibility. And and what the Stoics believed was that everything that does happen is a chance for you to behave virtuously. So it's like you know, some girl rejects you. Well, that's a, a chance for you to examine why you wanted this person's sort of approval or acknowledgement so badly. It's a chance for you to look at what you did wrong, that you you sort of, you learn or you benefit from that failure. Or um, if you're successful, conversely, it's a chance for you to examine why that success was so important to you and to, to poke holes in it and to look at why perhaps that's, that wasn't a panacea either. So, what Mark I, I sort of I quote Mark really at the opening of the book and he says like look our actions can be impeded but our responses never can and so this is a whole book about a set of responses to two negative or seemingly unfortunate situations if that makes sense
1: yeah so we can you know shit happens basically and then we can choose our response we can collapse right. to it or we can say okay what's the opportunity here but before we get into that i mean yeah. what do you see happening from your perspective how are most people trained or you know sure. uh, kind of you know in this mindset to respond to adversity what's the status quo
2: yeah look i think the status quo has a couple problems one is which we we assume things are supposed to be a certain way like like our world is supposed to be exactly as our parents was so like you know getting a good degree should mean you have you get a good job or you know you you put your money in these investments that should guarantee you a retirement at this age and then you know a lot of things have happened and now we're starting to realize like hey maybe one or two generations was not a long enough timeline to project you know an indefinite future of the same thing and so we exist in a much more chaotic um Unfortunate environment, and we're having to sort of make do with that. And I I, I specifically see this with millennials. There's a sense of sort of entitlement that you made all these plans, and now the world is not agreeing with those plans, and now you can be you're justified in being upset or pissed off about that.
1: That's that. that, That's that collapsed way of looking at the world. It's supposed to be a certain way. It's not boo hoo me. I I, now I now I don't do anything, or, or I just kind of sit here and just bitch and moan.
2: Right, right. We, 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 you use the word paralyzed. I think we, we often get paralyzed in front of our obstacles because not only are they not how we expected, now we sort of wait for this perfect opportunity um, or this perfect uh, solution to the problem rather than like getting started and understanding that it's going to be a long, hard slog to turn things around. But if we work at it, it will happen. So so it's, it's not only that something's not the way it's supposed to be. Now we're in pursuit of some perfect, even trade when really if we just accepted it for what it was and got to work, we'd already be much further along the path by now.
1: So it's that belief that things are supposed to be perfect. It's the belief that things are supposed to be a different way that actually is really fueling the the, the paralysis instead of like, well, this is how things are. Now what am I going to do?
2: Yeah, exactly. And And look, we used to it's it's i don't want to glamorize the past um because that's not that's not accurate or true either but i think you know we 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 forget that people used to live in a world that was much less controllable right we couldn't predict the weather there wasn't this social safety net uh people could die at any moment from unknown diseases and and ailments and accidents and so i think people used to have a sense that like look the world is a capricious and random place. I've got to get my stuff together and prepare myself best I can uh, and do the most that I can in this little window. You know, now I think we we tend to assume that we've got this unlimited runway. We've got unlimited resources and that everyone is looking out for us. And then when that turns out not to be true, it's a very rude and unpleasant awakening.
1: Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, where did this shit take hold? Because <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, yeah, what, what, what's your guess on that? How, how did this come about? Because you know, my sure. grandparents didn't live in that world, and neither did my right. parents. So where where did this where did this idea take such such a, a damned hold on on things?
2: I I think it's a gradual. It was a it's a gradual a gradual process that happened in parallel to technological and economic and cultural advancements things have gotten fairer they've gotten safer you know they've gotten uh easier and we we've, we forget though that like just because we can predict the weather doesn't mean we control it just because you know we have insurance doesn't mean that bad things won't ever happened to us you know like I'll, I'll give you an example so recently my house got broken into and like everything i i owned was stolen and wow. i had insurance right so it was good but like i remember thinking it, it was like i was like mad at the insurance company uh about it like that they weren't like acting fast enough and they weren't doing everything that i wanted and then it just hit me it's like you know my stuff got, got stolen this is a crappy situation i can't like there's no one who's just going to make this right for me i have to accept that unfortunate things happen in the world and i should focus instead you know the obstacle is away i should focus instead on why did i have my house set up in a way that this could happen and two why have i created this these attachments to these material items that i I'm, I'm apparently so sensitive and emotional about that if anything happens to them i freak out
1: that's a huge shift there. We've gone from a victim mentality where, you know, everything is out there, the reason why my world sucks is because of those things, those people, you know, this this breakdown in the system, and you completely flipped it. All right, what how I'm completely responsible here. So, what can I learn from that? I've set my house up a certain way, I've set my beliefs up a certain way. That's why I feel like shit right now.
2: Yeah, and and I think people can I think people are actually pretty good at doing that in certain parts of their life. Um, like for instance, like if you, if you knew someone in your life that got really angry at like traffic lights and construction and everything else, you judge them insane, right? Because you're like, look, the traffic light tells you, you can't go, you can't go, you got to wait. It's gonna, you're going to be late, deal with it. But then in the rest of our lives, like, you know, you're working on your business and something happens or, you know, you have an employee and they turn out not to be capable of what, You hired them to do. We we take it all personally and we get so upset instead of looking at the parts of that that we do control and that we can influence, and we end up wasting immense amounts immense amounts of energy and willpower and goodwill, getting upset and getting emotional and getting frustrated when really, if we could be more fluid and accommodating, we would not only be happier but we'd be much more effective.
1: Yeah. Well, you know. I, you know, I think we can come back to this point of like as long as we're complaining, we're bitching we're 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 looking where we can point fingers, we're not actually looking at a solution or we're not taking responsibility, but there's something in there because sure. is is there a shadow to this is there a shadow to stoicism that because I work with a lot of guys that have been stuffing their emotions for sure. years, these guys are shells of 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 a man and I know so exactly. and and I've lived that way and it's it's miserable so you know how how do we transcend and include how do we integrate this approach so he's not Sure. collapsed and paralyzed but he's also not some robotic shell of a man.
2: Well, I think it's two things. So one what the stoics are saying is understand the difference between an emotional reaction and a rational reaction. So if if something like my stuff got broken into, you know, I got in a car accident, it's okay to get upset, it's okay to be hurt, it's okay maybe to cry if that's how you feel. Just don't confuse those reactions with doing anything about the problem, right? Like, as long as you can understand, it's like, look, I'm having this, this is my moment. I'm going to freak out and then I'm going to deal with it. That's fine.
1: I'm, I'm going to choose but, my action from a place of rational mindset instead of this kind of ungrounded emotional place.
2: Right. It's like I, I deal with so many people who it's like they come to me with a problem. They tell me how upset about about it they are and all this stuff and they've been thinking about it and whatever. And then I talk to them like two months later and they're it's still in the same place. It's because they haven't done anything about it. They just thought more about it. They've probably they, been you know, processing. They more about
1: it. They've been processing it emotionally, yeah, but exactly. they haven't been getting into the trenches and doing anything different.
2: Exactly. So I think that's a, that's a, the first part. But you know, when you read Stoicism, I, I and you might see this in the book. It might feel very sometimes robotic, or there it might be devoid of emotion. Or it, it might be very like just down to business. But the reason for that is, that stoicism is a set of it's a very different than most philosophies. But it's a set of exercises that are designed to combat destructive impulses, assuming that most people are pretty decent at the, the other ones. Like like stoicism isn't a bunch of guidelines reminding you why you should love your children. Or you should, you know, love like the taste of sugar or wine or all the things that make life fun and nice. Right. Like the like why we laugh at jokes is not something that you need. a You needed the emperor Marcus Aurelius to give you uh, some some good reminders about. Right. Like that's right. kind of obvious. But what you do need is a res, is a response and a set of tools for dealing with the inevitable problems that come with life. So you're balanced and you're able to address them and do something about them. So you can go back to feeling happy and good. And, and yes, Stoicism, I think, you know, Stoicism is about keeping an even keel. And so that means balance on both sides. But I think as a rule and, you know, some of the things we we're talking about earlier show, like people tend to be really good at the fun stuff. And then the bad stuff, they stick their head in, their, in the sand about or pretend is never going to happen to them or that they're the exception to. And then when it, when it does happen, as it always does, they are utterly unquip, uh, unequipped to deal with it.
1: Got it. Got it. So what's the 30,000-foot view of you know, the process to turn adversity to advantage? Because all of this is between the ears, right? So this is a sure. mindset. So kind of give us the high-level view of, of how, to, how, to, how to step in that direction.
2: I opened the book with Marcus Aurelius, who I think is one of the most interesting historical figures of all time. He's the most powerful man in the world, literally a God on earth. And yet this, this concept of stoicism was what made him effective and peaceful and, and, you know, a surprisingly good person. And then, um, the book is split in three parts from there, which I think are the three critical variables you have, you know, perception. And then I, I have stories that illustrate perception. And I talk about everyone from, from, uh, Thomas Edison to, uh, um, to uh, Ulysses S. Grant, to John D. Rockefeller, to Steve Jobs. And and it's about how controlling our emotions, controlling our perspectives, living in the present moment, make it much easier to tackle obstacles. And then the second part is about our actions. You know, how do we act creatively and effectively to address our problems? And there I have, you know, some of my favorite stories. remember one from, you know, Amelia Earhart to... uh, to uh you know President Andrew Garfield to Erwin Rommel um Thomas Edison again and, and then lastly uh, there's uh, Barack Obama is actually in there which is a, a story I'm I'm really happy with uh Gandhi um and then the, the last part is our sort of will this this strength and power we bring to stuff um and and I've got you know um Odysseus is one of my, my favorite examples um we've got uh I'm, I'm pulling these up here. We've got uh, Thomas Jefferson. You know, stories about people who who overcame uh, President Lincoln. We've got stories of people who faced sort of insurmountable problems, and they had to adapt to them and endure them, and and it was that strong inner strength that made it possible. So so it's it's really a three step process, and that process begins with how you look at the problem. Then it, it moves on to how you act on that problem, and then it ends with the amount of fortitude and will that you bring to bear on that problem. And I think just about any obstacle or just about any issue is made better by these three things working in concert with each other.
1: Can this stuff be learned or is it just something that people are born with? It seems like we we look at some of these figures that you're talking about and it's like, well, of course they're extraordinary. They were born with something. They were born different. But is there, In your research, did you find that they were finding these ideas, or, or did they just kind of absorb them from somewhere magically? How did, they, how did they become resilient, or how did they learn how to turn adversity into advantage?
3: Sure. Look, I, I think the, the reason I wrote this book is that I noticed that the same pattern that you noticed, that these great men and women of history who had something in common, and they, they had a specific kind of approach to problems that we all face. Um, And I found explicitly a lot of times that that thread was was stoicism. They literally studied Roman stoicism. But even when they didn't, I think what they what they did was they they did a quick ROI calculation and they noticed that when they tried to spend their time and energy on things they they don't control or change, whether that's other people's approval or external events or, you know, the, the, the world around them, they didn't get very far. But when they focused on themselves and on their reactions and what they did control, that's where they got, you know, real, that's where they had real breakthroughs and where, where they, they really made a difference. And, you know, I think independently, lots of groups have studied this, everything from, you know, 12-step groups where they've got the serenity prayer, you know, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, you know, and the, the wisdom to know the difference. Um, and, and I think these people d- discovered that wisdom, but I think the good news is they didn't come out of the womb discovering it. Like I, I say at the end of the book, like, you know, um, Margaret Thatcher didn't, wasn't known as the, iron, as the Iron Lady until well in her life. You know, Ulysses S. Grant was, a, was basically a total loser until the Civil War and kind of became <laughs> one again after, right? Like, it, it, it's it's really about what you do at this moment right now. You have a choice. You know the world is testing you and and how are you going to respond? And I think you know I, I tried to provide some framework. This isn't my thinking. I was trying to communicate this sort of timeless framework that I've observed, and that I try to follow myself, and I'm not perfect at it by any means, and I would never say otherwise. But we all have a choice when something happens to us. We have the choice to control our perceptions. you know we have the choice to to direct our actions properly, and then we have the we we control our own willpower that we we bring to something. And that's what I think all these people did. Sometimes, you know, I, I'm using their stories about what they did at a particular moment. You know, some of the people in the book were really bad people, if you look at it at the aggr- aggregate, but there was specific moments that, or glimpses of greatness that we can learn from and, and benefit from and, and try to apply in our own lives.
1: I know. I was I, I just, as you said that, I was thinking of, I, I've gotten hooked on that show, House of Cards, and that lead character, yeah. Frank Underwood... He's totally this is his thing. Like any kind of that shit that hits the fan, he uses it like he's he embraces it. Yep. And uh, I yeah. mean, he's an asshole. You know, he's, he's right. a bad dude, but he knows how to. OK, I never see him kind of moping around. He's just like, OK, this event's happened. Now, what am I going to do? How am I going to use this to 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 create a better scenario for myself and what I want?
3: Yeah, and and yeah, again, you don't want to say like you should be you should be like Frank Underwood, but at the same time, you notice he's never. There's only one moment in the second season where you ever actually see him like get rattled, right? I think what a lot of these people have in common is they never get rattled, even when the shit like really hits the fan. Like they they don't get rattled. They look at it rationally. They apply their energy and effort usually in some sort of counter intuitive or un, unexpected way. And that's where they separate themselves from everyone else. Everyone else is running around. They're losing their heads or their shirts or whatever. Um, but they're able to see through all that or past it and look at the unignored or the, the ignored opportunity. And and I think, you know, this this goes to all the things that you talk about is like, don't do what everyone else is doing, whether it's, you know, how you're doing with self-improvement, how you're trying to meet, you know, men or women or how you're trying to manage your business or your lifestyle. is like, look at what everyone else is doing. Look at the problems that it causes them. And then why don't we try some different path?
1: Got it. Got it. Well, I, you know, I can imagine if I'm listening to this, we've been talking about some fictional characters. We've been talking about historical characters. I, you know, my, my bullshit uh, meter could start to be going off. So I'm wondering if you've got any stories that you, or just a story, uh, you shared a little bit about your house getting broken into, but what does this look like? In just Joe blow's life, where you know how he's he's handling this instead of when he's in battle or you know dealing with uh somebody trying to take his his uh you know part of his um uh his empire on the other side of the planet
3: right right of course and and i think I think the reason I chose these stories is that they're sort of universal and timeless, and we can see more clearly in these sort of larger scale issues like the the differences between the approaches it's like when you're talking about straight business, people go like, well, what about this? Or, but I have this problem, or I have that problem. And I, I wanted to sort of not allow for any of those objections. But, like, look, in, in my own life, like, I, I, I have to think about this on a day-to-day basis. So it's like, you know, you have an employee, and they mess something up, and they, they, they blow... Like, I, I had an employee last week who made a mistake on an email I sent out that cost me a few thousand dollars. And now I have a choice, right? I can fire this employee because he made a mistake that I don't want to tolerate, and that's something I've got to consider. Um, I can freak out and get angry and let him know how how powerful and mean I am, or whatever, or which might feel good. Or I can say, like, look, you made this mistake. Here's what, here's why I think you did it. Here's why it matters, and here's now an opportunity for me to make it crystal clear to you why we have to be careful about things and why there are consequences when we are not. And ideally that turns that employee into a better employee. So it's like what I, how I would want to think about it is I just paid $2,000 to make this employee better. And if I do it right, I will make more money because of that than I would have if I just berated this person and it was cathartic, but it didn't move it any further or, you know, and, and I think we all have moments like that. I'm, I'm in a, at a different thing. I'm having, you know, a dispute with a business partner. It's it's forcing me to articulate and explain and confront things that maybe if I had my choice I wouldn't do, but I know I benefit from and I will use again in other situations. And so that's how I try to think about it in my business life, in my personal life, in my relationships. You know, well, like it, it's it's
1: really it's really demonstrating true strength because I I could imagine if I felt. If I was in that situation and I didn't feel strong, I would need to prove that I was strong, that I that I wasn't sure. weak. And that's what most guys are really afraid of: is being a, is appearing weak to the rest. And so they've oh. got to present this thing of power and toughness, and I don't take any shit. And so you would have you would have fired the guy and berated him and make him feel like an asshole or whatever. Um, but the the real strength there is okay. What's the opportunity here to forgive, and uh, and then move forward? See something happen there. I just see a lot of guys that get tripped up in that and that idea of, I can't appear to be weak, but that's actually a form of weakness.
3: Totally. And and I think, I think that manifests itself in a lot of ways, right? Someone disrespects you or someone treats you crappy, or they underestimate you. Like these are things where you want to, you want to like get up in their face and explain to them why they shouldn't do that. Instead of going like, look, why is, why do I feel that I need this person's validation? This person, like Marcus Aurelius says this in the meditation, it's great, It's like, look at the people whose respect you seem to be so caught up in having and ask yourself why. And his point is like, look, you don't respect these people because of how they are and how they act. And yet if they don't give you their approval, you suddenly feel like you've been denied something. And so that's something I think a lot about too, is like the things that I want to get mad about or I want to react emotionally about, so often they're actually an opportunity for me to re-examine why I'm feeling those emotions and how I can address them in a more positive way instead of like a knee-jerk reaction that ultimately makes things harder for me. Like I had a meeting last night and someone was late um, and I, I wanted to storm off. Then and, and and you know if it had been egregiously late I might have done that, but I had to sit there and ask myself. Um, what would I be doing at home? I'd just be sitting around. Like, give this person you don't know what's happening to them, give, this, give them a little time. Deal with something in your own life while you have this moment, and, uh, and things will be fine. You don't need to, you know, put your dick out on the table and, and prove that it's bigger because you walked off and you didn't allow them to, you know, to, an extra five minutes
1: yeah, I think that's where it comes down to a perception. Am I perceiving a threat in a, in a place mm-hmm. where there isn't a threat? you know And, and if yeah. I'm coming from a small place, a fear-based place or a low self-esteem place, I'm going to perceive threats everywhere. like the, the world is a scary totally. place from that place. Um, you know, I, it, talking about the, this whole thing and, and perceiving threats, you know, my mom, she took her own life when I was thirteen. I didn't deal with that for years. I didn't, I didn't even know what to do. But I was running away from that pain. It became to where I could not sure. deal with it. I think I was in my mid mid twenties, middle late twenties, when finally, like I just had to turn around and go right into it. I didn't really have much of a choice. But at the time, it felt like death. Like it felt like I, you know, it couldn't go into that place. It was the place I was struggling and trying to avoid. And so when I saw this title, "The Obstacle Is the Way," I was like, "Fuck, that's been my li-. like that became." That whole situation where I finally went into that place that I was so afraid to go has become where I found the greatest power in my life. Like once I went through that and I not just survived it, it made me stronger. I was like, well, shit. You know, I don't really enjoy getting emotional or having really bad feelings, but there's a part of me that knows, like, hey, you've been through worse. You've had this. There's there's this kind of foundational place there. Um, And so, as you as you talk about these ideas, I'm taken back to that place, and I'm like. Oh, yeah, that thing that I was avoiding for so long is, was actually actually become a, a source of strength here. Um, so I'm- yeah
3: and, and and you know, I deliberately didn't talk about my own problems in the book because, like, I would never want to make an example out of them because everyone has their own experiences, and we all go through our own traumas. And what you went through was terrible, and no one should have to go through that. But I think it's really interesting that when we reflect on our own lives, and we look at the things that we went through that we desperately wanted to avoid when they when they happened, we find some sort of kernel of benefit from them. Uh, not, it doesn't always make up for the terrible thing that happened to us, but we know that we benefited from it in some way. And I think we would be better off instead of spending that those period the, that period of time in limbo where we're angry and we're hurt and we're upset and we're only focused on the bad. Uh, and then begrudgingly getting the, the, the value or, or lesson from it far down the road, we can, we can look to um, speed up that process and, and we can find some comfort in it in the moment. Like a, there's a study I, I referenced in the book about elite athletes who go through like very terrible injuries. And at the time of the terrible injury, they all think, you know, the world is going to end. Like they they feel terrible about their talent and their skill, and like a year and a half later, when the injury is healed, they're almost always in a better place than they were before. Um, and I think we can take some comfort in in that too. So it's like you know what you went through was awful, but it the next time something bad happens for you, I imagine you'll take some comfort in the fact that terrible things have already happened, and you know where they got you, and so you don't need to you don't need to Assume the world is going
1: to end. Well, I think that's a, that's you've a, been through it before. Yeah, and that's a that's a powerful place because a lot of times we're having our experience in the moment, but we're also creating the story. Oh no, yeah. now my world is this. And I and I I think what we're talking about here is yeah, have that have the experience. Like it sucks. Like if you need to lose it, lose it. If you need to you know right. have that emotional experience, but watch out for the story you tell. Watch out for the story that says I'm now this way. I'm broken. My life is broken. I'm fucked. And da 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 da. That's only true if you really believe it. Um, and so I, I it's its its how do, how do we walk forward, have that emotional experience, but then start to see, okay, at some point, this is going to be an opportunity at some point, maybe not right now, but at some right. point, this is going to lead to something much, a possibility I can't even imagine at this point.
3: And, and that's what the philips speed when they say there's no good or bad, there's only perception. Like there's objective events. There's no question that, you know, Your knee got blown out or, you know, you got fired or you got dumped or, you know, you were born with this disability or this problem. That is an objective event. But we decide what that story is going to be. And no one's saying it's going to be a fairy tale either. And and that's probably not a good approach. But it can be a, the narrative can have a redemption at the end. And that choice is yours. And, And I wanted to write a book about how to make that choice a little bit easier. And I don't think it's a, it's something you read one time and then it's magically the case. It's it's something that, you know, you talk about in a show a lot. It's like, you got to work on constantly and you always have to be thinking about and practicing and, and taking the incremental, you know, improvements as they come. And hopefully as you get older, you get better and better at it.
1: Got it. It's a practice. So, well, you know, other than I'd definitely pick up this book, guys, but what's What's one thing that the guy could do today that would actually make a difference if he's stuck in traffic or he blows his knee out or, God forbid, anything worse happens? Like, what's, What could he start to do today that would, what, that, what, that would help him out in this area?
3: Yeah, I think we start with, with what we started to talk about. You, we start with perception and the, idea, the difference between perception and impressions. And so taking things as the first, the, in their objective first impression, this happened to me. And then taking a breath and a beat before you interpret what it means. Or maybe you don't interpret what it means at all. You just let it exist and then you develop a rational response to it. So I think controlling our perceptions and our emotions and not, at the very least, like no one's going to magically be able to turn an obstacle into an opportunity tomorrow, I don't think. No. Um, but can we stop making things worse? with irrational responses or, you know, overly emotional responses or reactions or whatever, you know, then we've at least, we've, we've stopped the digging. So now we can climb out of the hole.
1: That's great. You know, I always think of the guy that's uh, in an argument with his girlfriend and it would have been cool if he just kind of stuck to the plan of the of the thing, but he said something stupid and now he's got to spend an extra yep. two hours cleaning up the thing that, that he said that was stupid. So, uh um, yeah, right. that, that's a that helps me kind of okay. Stick to stick to that rational stick. Okay, this is happening. This is tough, and choose wisely. Choose your response wisely. Um, the obstacle is the way. The timeless art of turning adversity to advantage. It's available on Amazon. You can check out more uh, about Ryan at RyanHoliday.net. Ryan, thanks so much for talking today.
3: Thanks for having me, man. This is great.
1: If these interviews are helping you, then please visit The New Man on iTunes and leave us a positive review so others can discover the show more easily. Thanks for listening.